So, Iqra is repeated again. At the moment you start suspecting that it's talking about the stages of knowledge, bam, it slams you. Iqra. And then it puts a limit to your arrogance by saying, what book al-akram? And then the most fascinating expression, Now here, who by the pen. Qalam means what? Pen. Ibn al-Zubair, in one of the Qira'at, reads it, which is flawed. I mean, I, I personally have no problem in saying one of the Qira'at, I would, that if I'm convinced that a Qira'at is unauthentic, I say it's unauthentic. Iqra'at ibn Zubair allama al-khatt bil-qalam doesn't even sound like Qur'an. But anyway, you should know that it exists. The difference is, is that according to ibn Zubair's reading is that who taught to write with the pen. Taught you to write with the pen. Well, I mean, it's sufficient for me that it's a had for one to reject it. No one else transmitted this. And it might, might very well be been put in the mouth of the poor man. That Ibn quite, quite very well be that Ibn Zubair never said it. And some smart Alec fellow later on put it in his mouth. It's possible. Anyway, the vast majority of reports reads it as you know it. Okay. Note here who taught. This calls into your mind what? Rabb. We, we started out by saying God accompanying you through the process of reading. And now it comes and tells you God taught you. The dynamic process by which God is involved in your learning is even made more explicit. Even so explicit to even tell you that God teaches you. Now here is a fascinating issue. Because taught by the pen. The majority of jurists said that taught that, that's what it means, taught by the pen. But what does it mean to say taught by the pen? If this is the first revelation, the Quran is not written yet. And does God teach us by the pen? Does God teach us by the use of the pen? A whole bunch of jurists, in fact, you could say the majority of them, says because the pen... And the invention of writing is the most significant element in the process of learning. And that without it, there could be no learning. Qalam, by the way, is the same word as yaqlum or taqlim. You know, taqlim al-azafir means what? Taqlim al-azafir means to, to, to cut your fingernails. Qalam means something that cuts. And a pen was called qalam because it, it separates between meaning and non-meaning. It acts as a separator. Nonetheless, that's, that's sort of a, a, a little piece of information. But some, I mean, the majority of jurists have said that taught by the pen means that the, the taught by allowing human beings to invent writing and consequently 
writing is the most important element in the process of moving through the stages of knowledge and consequently that is that that is what taught by the pen means and then related this to the issue of an akram that how generous of god to enable us to master the element by which will enable us to move through the stages of knowledge as you learn to read write better you learn to communicate better and as you learn to communicate better you learn you you move through the stages of knowledge in fact zamakhshari says that this is advice or this is god pointing our attention to the importance of writing the importance of learning how to write and that this is a corollary to learning how to read however the problem here is if we accept ibn zubair's reading it would make sense who taught human beings to write by the use of the pen al khatt biqalam but ibn zubair's reading is unauthentic in my view and in fact in the vast majority of people they say alladhi 'allama bil qalam does god teach by the pen is it possible for you to move through the stages of knowledge without the use of a pen if you say no because reading is an essential component to moving through the stages of knowledge just what zamakhshari said zamakhshari said no because without the pen there could be no reading and that is what ties it into the beginning of the surah iqra and there could be no iqra there could be no reading and this by the way t- tends to tell you that it doesn't mean what recite right so so the bakshi said number one it doesn't mean recite it means iqra means read and it ties it into there could be no reading unless there is the pen which writes and you could not move through stages of knowledge unless you read and from that the makhsari said and others many others including al-razi and al-mawardi and several others that and ibn taymiyah himself also said the same thing that those who claim to move through the stages of knowledge without reading mudda'in while it has innate attractiveness to it and seems to make sense in t- from the, the the beginning of the verse to the continuation of the surah because it starts out by telling you read and then it tells you that bil qalam taught by the pen grammatically alladhi 'allama bil qalam is problematic because it's taught by the pen not taught the necessity of the pen or the necessity of writing or taught you to use the pen because he could have said allama istikhdam qalam to use the pen but it doesn't it says taught by the pen and we know that how is it that allah teaches us by the pen and if you're a literalist you have a problem that's one two is that the theoretical possibility while the command to read clearly identifies the significance of reading and it tells you that you must read 
is it possible to someone to move through the stages of knowledge without reading? Theoretically, although it's it's most likely not, but theoretically it's possible. Someone could attend halakhas all their life and have an excellent memory and memorize everything and move through the stages. That's possible. It's rare because most people don't have perfect memories and most people can't, but it is possible. Third, to tell the prophet who is now going to go and teach people what they need to learn, and yet it's one thing for the prophet to tell people it's important for you to read, and this is from God. But it's another to tell them that God taught you by the pen. When there is no pen, there is no writing. The Quran is not written yet. So how do we get out of this problem? Well, if those of you who are in the Quran class already know that another meaning for qalam is aql, intellect. And to be honest with you, that is the meaning despite of the, of the attractiveness of the other position. That taught by the pen means that you cannot read, you cannot move through the stages of knowledge unless you know how to read. And reading is not possible without writing. Despite of the attractiveness of that position, it is my view, my own view, and it's a minority view, by the way, it's a minority view, that it means the intellect. Qalam here means intellect. So then, if, if that view is correct, if the minority view is correct, then that means that read God with you who created created human beings and, and the, the specialness of human beings is the specialness of their ability to read who created human beings from a clot of blood who moves through stages physically as well as intellectually and that God taught human beings through the creation of the intellect. That this is what makes you distinctive. This is what enables you to read. You want to know the difference between you and others? You, why you can read? Why you can move through stages? is because of the fact that you were given aql. Qalam means, another meaning for qalam, qalam could mean pen or it could mean aql. So, if I tell someone qalamuk hadr, it doesn't mean that your pen is ready. It means that your intellect is, is ever ready. You're, you're, you're a bright person. Okay. And then you understand. I have an, a relationship with Allah. And in this relationship with Allah, who raises me, this Rabb, I must read. I will move through the stages of knowledge. With God, excuse me, accompanying me. Uh, but yet God always remains superior to me. No matter how much stage I realize, I must understand that I am inferior. And that my instrument through this journey is the uniqueness of my creation, of, of, of who I am. This puts me in a relationship of gratitude towards the generosity of Allah. Gratitude towards the generosity of Allah, who is superior because Allah is generous. 
And the instrument of this generosity is my intellect that God has given me. Taught humans what they do not know. In the form grammatically that it occurs in, and all of this is part of the uplifting tone, tonality still, that taught human beings what they could not have known. Clearly, the, the wedding of the notion of the existence and the dynamic and the interaction of God to the stages of knowledge is quite clear. That knowledge, true knowledge, without God accompanying you is not possible. But yet your indebtedness and your, your limited nature and this is, by the way, this is a whole debate in, about science, whether directed science or not directed science. Science in the, in, in the service of something, some cause, or science for its own sake. And this verse seems to quite clearly say that knowledge or science for its own sake is meaningless. Because God is accompanying you through the stage. And to deny God's existence in the stages, is not possible, but it's in itself a form of absolute ingratitude. Then the change in tonality. This is very much like Kalla here is ta'kid, is to assure or to reaffirm a point. It's like saying verily, surely. Yatra comes from, from the words from the word taqa. Now note here, the word taqa has several connotations. It could connote the meaning disobey, yasi, ingratitude, butter, butter in And it also connotes the meaning. To, to go min manzila, yartafa min manzila ila manzila, to rise from one level to another until you exceed the limit. So that's why when we say tajawuz al qadr, al irtifa' min manzila ila manzila ila tajawuz al qadr, that's why we say when we say that the, the, the water overflowed the pot. We say taqal ma'a. doesn't mean that the, the water has, is unjust. It means the water overflowed. Overflowed how? Can water overflow a pot without going through stages? No. It will rise stage, stage, and then overflow. Note the eloquence here. Verily, surely, humans, kalla inna al-insana lada. By their nature, by their natural tendency, they rise from stage to stage until they overflow their limits, their limitations. And in doing so, they disobey, and in doing so, they are ungrateful. Ties into, again, the notion of stages of creation, physical creation, the stages of knowledge. And when you forget who is Akram, who, is, who, you, who you are truly indebted to, 
When you forget your limitation, you rise from stage to stage until you overflow. By the way, taghiya means what? Transgressor. And if I, a taghi means unjust, an oppressor, a transgressor, which carries in it also the meaning, the connotation of arrogance. Because you cannot be a without also being arrogant. So I, when I call someone a that means that they're, they're, they're an oppressor and arrogant. When they rise in stage to, from stage to stage, the natural tendency for human beings is to become arrogant and exceed their limitations. And in doing so, forget what is this all about by becoming ungrateful towards the Lord who began the process, initiated the process, who made them distinctive and special, and who ultimately accompanied them through the stages of knowledge. Exceeds the limits. أن رآه استغنى أن رآه استغنى Now here we get into the fascinating issue of what is it exactly referring to. The earlier verse says surely human, human beings إن الإنسان exceed human beings exceed the limit. The verse that follows says أن Grammatically, there is, there is a, 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 um, a challenging issue. Who is it referring to? Ra'ahu means to see. Ra'a means to see. Who see it or him? Right? Who's the fa'al in ra'ah? If I say ra'ahu, who's, who is the fa'al here? What, can we say al-fa'al dhamir ghaib? And who is the maf'ool bih? Who is that who, who is being seen here? In Arabic, you may refer to yourself as an object of a verb. So if you say, رأيتني, رأيتني لا أفعل. What, what this means is, it's not that I saw myself not do it. It means, I thought I should not do it. In Arabic, you may objectify yourself in a verb, and it's a form of of eloquence. It's sort of saying it's my considered opinion. But it is as if you are considering yourself when you see yourself. Now, if ra'ahu, if it's still talking about humans, then it would mean human beings exceed the limit. Then it's referring that human beings, when human beings see what? See themselves. Istagna means arrogantly self-sufficient. In other words, to say, I don't need you anymore. I don't need you anymore. 
Okay, so let's, let's, I'll carry you through the meaning in, in one way and then a second way. The first way. Human beings exceed the limit. When they see themselves or when they think themselves, and here, when they consider themselves to have become self-sufficient. Remember, they go on stages. They reach a stage where, where they say, basically, we don't need God anymore. However, because of the reasons for transmission, reasons for revelations, the report about Abu Jahl, let's go back to that, which says that this surah was revealed when Abu Jahl saw the Prophet praying and there are two reports. One says that he swore that if he sees the Prophet, well, actually it's one report, well, he, see, he swore that when he sees the Prophet praying, he's going to stick his face in the mud or in the dust. And then upon seeing him praying, he started arguing with him. Several commentators have said that An-Ra'ahu refers to Abu Jahl. When Abu Jahl saw, not himself, but saw the Prophet he became self-sufficient. Saw the Prophet pray, he became self-sufficient. Several problems with this position. One is earlier, it's talking about insan. Humans become, exceed their limits. Then suddenly, it's referring to Abu Jahl. It switched from talking about humans generally to Abu Jahl specifically. When Abu Jahl saw the Prophet praying, and what is the connection between when Abu Jahl saw the Prophet praying and Abu Jahl thinking he's self-sufficient. It doesn't flow with the general flow of meaning in the surah. But if we say that it's not referring to Abu Jahl, then it takes a different meaning. It means that human beings exceed the limit when they see themselves as becoming self-sufficient. When they think, when they consider themselves, arrogantly consider themselves self-sufficient. That is partly why I doubt the authenticity of the Abu Jahl report. Because it would seem to superimpose a meaning on the whole surah that has nothing to do with Iqra, that has nothing to do with Allama bil Qalam, that has nothing to do with Al Insan al and that really has nothing to do with Al Ra'ahu Staghna. Inna ila rabbika If we leave the Abu Jahl reports aside, then it says, okay, well, you, you arrogantly think you're self-sufficient and you exceed the limits. You're going to go through your stages from a clock to a human being and from ignorance to reading to knowledge. And ultimately, you come back to me. Ultimately, you come back to God. connotes the meaning that you come back reduced to return to something if you use the word to return something it's as if it has denied in value so you will return to me either from adulthood to, to as someone fragile and, and old advanced in age and fragile to death utter weakness from strength to weakness or from Feeling of knowledge to utter ignorance again. Because Ruj'a connotes that you return reduced. 
ترجع بالنقصان بعد الكمال. So here, if you ignore the Abu Jahal reports, the meaning flows beautifully. Human beings exceed the limit when they think that they're self-sufficient and ultimately they return to God. So the, 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 the thought, the, the delusion of self-sufficiency is, is, is maniacal. They return to God weak and unable. 